When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. In today's episode, we are talking about driving anxiety as a parent. I remember bringing my newborn home for the first time from the hospital and absolutely freaking out by the idea of putting my newborn into a car seat. I hope I picked the right one. I hope it's installed correctly and then driving that newborn home. Now, that fear and anxiety around driving was something that stuck around. The idea of getting into a car, basically a machine that goes really fast, that you're in control of going really fast with a bunch of other people controlling really fast machines around you while you have your children who are so precious to you in the backseat, the idea of that really did trigger my anxiety. Can you relate? If you can, I'm really glad you're tuning in. In this conversation with my friend Michelle from Safe in the Seat, who is a car seat expert, but even more importantly than that, although that is really important, she's also a mom to two and someone who has her own relationship with anxiety and experience as well. She's also worked with so many families when it comes to car seat safety and has heard time and time again how much anxiety can show up around the experience of driving alone and or driving with our children. In this episode, we're going to tackle everything from car seat safety and car seat overwhelm as well as driving anxiety why it shows up, and what we can do about it. Also want to name that in this recording, I recorded from home, um, and my new puppy was um, a presence, we'll say. And you may hear my puppy in the background, and I hope that it just makes you feel like, you know what, you're right there with me, and you're part of the conversation, and we're just hanging out talking about this challenging experience and hopefully leaving you feeling seen as well as equipped to take the next step if this is something that you struggle with. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. 
Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, my friend, Michelle. Oh my gosh, what a joy it is to get a chance to see your face, your beautiful face, and record an episode with you. I have been wanting to do this with you for a while. So thank you. I'm so glad that we finally found a time to connect and have this conversation. Me too. It's like we were saying, it's just so good to like see your face and talk <laughs> yeah. to you. And we've had the opportunity to meet in person, which makes it like even more special because I feel like so many of us have not had that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thrilled to be chatting with you. I have a funny story about that to share with the listeners. So Michelle, you you may know her um, from the Instagram as Safe in the Seat. She is a car seat goddess and expert. And I had the opportunity to connect with you, Michelle, at a conference. We were at a a couple-day conference um, here in San Diego, and you came out for that. And what was so great was that I think I gave you a ride somewhere. Like we went to go grab lunch or something, and so you were in my car. (laughs) You were – like you literally – like live and breathe this. Like how you show up on <laughs> online is like how you are in person, which I also love about you um, because you're so real online as well, like real, vulnerable, all the things like you put it out there. And I so appreciate that, your willingness to be able to do that. Um, but also we were, we were in my car and you were like, um, are you okay if I just sort of like fix your car seats? And I was like, yeah. Michelle, go for it. And you just, you were like back there, like crawling over things and adjusting things. And it was, it was magical. And I was, I was so appreciative of that. There's my puppy. It's such a delicate balance because I I am more than just a car seat goddess to use your word. But it's very hard when people, I care about everyone, but especially when I'm in the car of someone that I care about and I see something and, you know, yeah. you're, you're the queen of talking boundaries and all those things. So I try to, like, ask permission. <laughs> like, I, I'm noticing some things. Would it be okay if I shared them with Because now I'm, like, hyperventilating. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I really appreciated that because it also then gave me permission <laughs> to reach out to you whenever I had car seat questions. And also – you know, being someone who wants to respect boundaries also was like, and can I pay you? Can I hire somebody? And then I recently hired, um, paid one of your consultants and they helped us pick out our car seats for our new car. And because my kids were getting bigger and they needed, that needed to be adjusted. And you have a beautiful team. The woman that we worked with was so wonderful, so great. We were so happy with the support we had and you just have an incredible business and you're helping so many and not just with car seats because if you don't already follow Michelle, you should at Safe in the Seat. She shares so much there, so much about car seat safety, but also just so much about motherhood and I just am so appreciative of you and all that you do and to be your friend. Right back at you. The Friday TikToks are probably my new favorite thing. (laughs) They really are. Um, I text all of my friends. 
For the listener, for the listeners, um, on Fridays I share my favorite TikToks. How it all started was that I am on I'm on TikTok and I would save my favorite ones that made me laugh um, on my phone. And every Friday night after the kids go to bed, I'd share them with my husband. It was like a ritual because shared laughter is my love language. And I started sharing them also on my Instagram account. And literally, it's like I've 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 been at capacity lately with like. Yeah. My client load and just with motherhood. And so it's kind of like the only thing I do on Instagram right now on that account, on my Dr. Cassidy account. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Like, this is kind of like all I want to be doing right now. It's my favorite thing about Instagram right now is like seeing which ones people love the most, hearing how it made people laugh and made their days. So, you know what? I talk about the hard stuff a lot on this podcast, and I have often in the past on my account. I know we're talking about anxiety today, but you know what also is a really important emotion to honor is joy. And Fridays, if you want a little dose of joy, go go check out my account where I share all my favorite recent TikToks. Okay, let us dive in to our topic today. We're talking about driving anxiety. Oof. Before before we kind of unpack this, I'd love to hear, since you work with so many families around driving their cars and car seat safety, is this something that you see from a lot of folks um, driving All anxiety? All the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um, and varying degrees, you know, as there is with anxiety or or anything that we're dealing with mentally, some people are able to kind of handle it differently or better, if you will, than others have different coping mechanisms than others. But I have seen it where it's debilitating for some people where we really have to work through a process of, I'm getting chills even talking about Mm -hmm. it, of, you know, some families that I've worked with too. uh, And I'm not a a mental health professional in any way, but just a a mom who um, certainly understands the challenges of mental health, having uh, dealt with the anxiety and depression myself, and then the car seat safety aspect of it. So yes, I would say this, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I think it's, when we think about car seat safety, often it's just harnessing installation. Like it's very like to the point and technical and matter of fact, really the whole reason I got into it as well was yes, that's of course I want your children to be safe, but I honestly started safe in the seat for moms, for caretakers, because I wanted to reduce the anxiety and help people feel confident that they could keep their children safe. And that, that really is why my, that's why I do what I do. The byproduct is we're also keeping our children safe, but I really want to reduce that anxiety. So yes, it is more common than not and often not really talked about. Yeah. So I'm so glad we're shedding light on it because I don't want people to feel like most things in motherhood, right? We tend to think we're the only ones experiencing it until somebody else sheds light on it. It's like, wait a minute. Me too. And then somebody else chimes in and that's the same with this topic. Yes. So to the listener right now, you, if you are listening to this, I am guessing that there is – you either just love Michelle and you're like, oh my gosh, anything Michelle does, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm going to listen. Um, and maybe that's a big portion of you or all of you. But also you're maybe listening because you resonate with the experience of having fear and anxiety around driving. And if you're tuning in, first message, first takeaway, you're not alone. This is a thing. This is a thing. And when it comes to car seats in particular, oh my 
gosh, is it overwhelming. There are so many options and it feels like a really important decision. Like one of the biggest decisions I think when I was pregnant was what's the car seat going to be? Um, Because this is about my child's safety. Um, All of a sudden, um, this newborn that I, you know, leaving the hospital, if that's where you gave birth, you're now leaving that little, hopefully what felt like for you, safety net of having, you know, support around you. So you're leaving the hospital, you have your brand new baby, your whole sense of like safety has just, um, or ways in which you could be hurt, I guess, almost to say, has expanded because this you now have this child that's like this little, what feels like very fragile extension of you and your heart has just grown and now you're putting them in to a mo- moving vehicle, right? Um, hoping that you've installed this thing correctly. Maybe you've never installed a car seat before. Hoping you made the right decision, that it's the safest decision for your child and driving off. And There are so many reasons why becoming a parent can be a trigger for an increase in anxiety, but when it comes to driving and the fears around harm coming to you or your child, it's it's actually really understandable, you know, when when you kind of look at it in terms of just what we oftentimes see on news maybe what we've experienced in the car and just the fact that like you're in you're in this you know machine moving really fast while other <laughs> machines, other machines are, are moving you. around you really fast you know right. um and you can't control what those other machines are doing right oh my goodness okay so i want to all definitely for the listener i'll unpack anxiety for us in a bit here Um, and anxiety related specifically to driving. But I'd love to hear first from you for the listener who's trying to make some of these big decisions around car seats. Like when it comes to the overwhelm, how do we we begin to address that and just making that decision? I think so much of that overwhelm comes from not knowing the right questions to ask. And the first thing Mm -hmm. I would say to to everybody is how would you know what questions to ask? I think many of us assume, at least I did, I had tremendous anxiety. I still do as I shared, but when it came to buckling my son in a car seat, I'd never done any of that before. I think we, in our own little bubbles, tend to think like, well, I should know how to do this or like, isn't this obvious? Like, no, what, why would you know how to do it? Why would it be obvious? So from an overwhelm perspective, in my, you know, my opinion, it's how do we like peel back the onion layers and find the right questions to ask so that we can get the information that can empower us to make you know, great buying decisions, for example, when it comes to choosing a car seat. That's what what I work on every day is it's not just what car seat does my friend have or which one is, you know, sold at the store that I love or whatever it might be. It's which one is best for me and teaching people how to know what questions to ask so that they do feel really great about not only their buying choice, right? Like what car seat they choose, but then how to use it properly. And then for me, I mean, I use the saying all the time, control the controllable, because as you just shared, we've got machines riding around us. We can't control what other drivers are doing, but but we can control what happens in our car. 
So getting educated, being open to learning information, admitting that you need help with the information, as I believe every single caregiver does when it comes to car seat safety, that's a huge, that's a huge first step, I think, to just acknowledging it. So then it can be addressed and you can learn what do I need to know? Okay. This is, I'm so glad that you just named everything you did and it's very much in alignment with conversations that I've had with friends as well as multiple clients. I've had friends and clients share with me, you know, what I'm really struggling with right now is picking out a car seat or other things related to, you know, maybe their registry. And they're like, I feel, or they might say, I feel silly that this is like what I want to talk about, but like this is giving me a lot of stress. And I first try to normalize that like you're not alone. Like I've, this is something that definitely comes up for folks. Um, and what's interesting is while there's a lot that we can do, and we'll talk about this in a bit, around the experience of anxiety itself, um, when you said earlier, you said something like, you know, the tech, the, you know, car seat installation is very technical, right? It's like installate, it's making sure that it's installed right, that it's the right um, seat for that child. And there was a part of me, hmm, the anxious part of me, that loved that. When, the minute you said that, that part of me got a little soothed. It's like, oh, there are things here that I can control. Right. And, and what I oftentimes tell my clients or friends, new moms that reach out to me is this is actually one thing, like, well, there's many things, but this is one of those things that you can actually reach out to an expert <laughs> who can help make these decisions for you and help you make sure that you're doing these technical things correctly. Right, yep. that it's the it's this, that you're making that you're you're installing it safely, and that you're making the right that it's the right decision for your child's size, for your you're knowing when to turn it from rear facing to forward facing, which seat is the best fit for that specific car, or for other things you got going on in your back seat, like other children, right. and you know when I worked with your team and I consulted with them on picking out a car seat there, there were things that I you, you mentioned this like question piece like I questions I would have never even considered asking um, like she wanted to know what model my car was and it made a difference based on whether the headrest could be removed or not like how are we supposed to know that you know how would you know that right and this is one of those things for the for, for the for the parent who's listening this is one of those things that being able to, you know, give your account a follow, which is a free account that you can learn so much from, um, or reaching out for support so that you know what are the right questions to be asking so that you can figure out how to look at these installation manuals and like figure out how to install it correctly. That part of you, that part of you that's anxious, that part of us really does love when there are certain things that we can feel like we have agency around and can control because there are so many things that we can't. So acknowledging those pieces and getting the support when we need it can be a really important step. And I think that's that's a beautiful place sort of where you step in. <laughs> I, it's truly one of the things I love about the car seat safety space because as a person who does struggle personally with anxiety, mm-hmm. I know that it, from a car seat safety perspective, we can get it right, 100% right. Wow. And that feels really good when, to your point, there are so many things in our day in and day out life that are not as clear cut, right? That are not do it this way. This is the safest. This is unsafe. There are so many preferences and judgments and choices. I kind of like that. It's like, no, we're going to do this. 
It's just how do we help people, you know, get get to that point of knowing they need help, knowing that there are questions to ask, knowing there are resources uh, to help them. I think that's really, you know, where I try to step in with Safe in the Seat. And that is exactly why I am so grateful that you are a human being that exists in the world that shares the resources that you do through Safe in the Seat, Michelle. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about why people might have anxiety while driving. Now, one of the first things that comes to mind and that I've seen for folks is that they may have some trauma around driving, whether it's a recent accident or a past accident. This can show up as PTSD or acute stress disorder, which is the term for a more recent event, um, or a phobia or just an adjustment disorder for um, a recent event. And all of that, the label that you kind of put on it um, diagnostically just really depends on the severity, the functioning, when it happened. And the symptoms of this can look like avoidance of any stimuli or anything associated with the event or driving, which can leave a parent isolated um, or really difficulty functioning, right? Um, a really sensitive startle response, re-experiencing images that come to mind, um, nightmares. And this is definitely one of those in which getting professional support can be really important. I mean, truly, at any level, right? Even if what I begin to share, you're like, I don't really match with any of these, like, you know, diagnosable mental health conditions as it relates to anxiety around driving, even if you're just like driving is a struggle for me and I feel kind of anxious and worried about it and I get weird, scary images once in a while. I'm able to move through them, but it bugs me. No matter what level this is for you, this anxiety, you deserve support. So people can have different triggers around anxiety. Uh, Potentially your baby crying can be a trigger. Um, driving on the freeway, um, driving long distances or going on road trips. Another trigger for some folks can be not being the driver or having their child or their children driven around by someone else. That lack of control in that situation can be really triggering for a lot of folks. And for some folks, there can actually be something else that's the root cause, such as visual impairment. When I'm working with a client and they're struggling with anxiety, one of the first questions I'll ask is, when's the last time you got a health checkup, um, got blood work done? Because there are some medical conditions, such as thyroid disorders, that can actually have symptoms of anxiety. So we want to make sure that we're addressing the root cause. And visual impairment can be one of those things. And so scheduling an appointment to get an eye exam can be really supportive, especially if driving anxiety is accompanied by dizziness, lightheadedness, or um, balance issues, and the anxiety is uh, really showing up just around the driving itself. Okay, so what can be some of the symptoms of anxiety while you're driving? You might find yourself feeling really restless or on edge when you are thinking about driving or driving itself. You might find yourself having a hard time concentrating while you're driving, which can be a vicious cycle of anxiety because now you're actually 
not focused and that's making you even more concerned and worried, you might find yourself feeling ragey or irritable. You know, when we're stressed, that fight or flight or freeze response gets, you know, revved up. And one of those options is fight. So sometimes when we are triggered by stress or we're feeling anxious, rage can be the response. That's me. That's my, that's my, that's more like, I'm much more of that side of the anxiety in those types of situations. So I totally get that. Yeah. Thank you for normalizing that. Me too, for sure. Um, sometimes it can also look like muscle tension or physical symptoms um, because, you know, the other day um, I was going through something that I was feeling really stressed about with my family and I found that I had a really hard time eating. I had no appetite. I definitely had headaches and like tension in my legs and in my neck. I felt really cold, like in my extremities, and I found myself shaking. And so some of these symptoms can show up too. And then sometimes anxiety can show up as really scary, intrusive thoughts. And this is something that we all experience at some level, right? Have you ever just had a, you've been driving and a really crazy thought pops into your head and you're like, whoa, that's a weird thought. And then you move on. Yeah, me too. Sometimes, though, these scary, intrusive thoughts can be really disturbing and can impact our functioning. There is OCD, which is something to consider. If you have scary, intrusive thoughts that you find become very obsessive for you, impact your functioning, could potentially be paired with also compulsive behaviors or rituals that you engage in. And if these rituals reduce the anxiety, then we might be looking at something like OCD here. And that's definitely an experience or condition where professional support can be really helpful. And again, I'll just repeat myself that no matter what you're experiencing and whatever the severity is, if it is something that you are struggling with and you would like to feel better, you deserve support. And because I know that sometimes reaching out for support can be overwhelming, just to kind of demystify what that potentially could look like, is there are a few different approaches to really support you in developing a new relationship with anxiety. A few of my favorites, this is not the full list, but a few of my personal favorites. If there has been a traumatic event related to driving, EMDR can be a really beautiful approach, evidence-based approach to support the processing and healing of that and getting on the other side. Um, also, acceptance and commitment therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, really great approaches for general anxiety, as well as phobias. There are clinicians trained in exposure therapy that utilize things like virtual reality to gently support you in having exposure to driving and driving situations. And so these are just a collection of treatment approaches that I have found to be really powerful and supportive when it comes to you being a parent and struggling with anxiety and with driving.
As a mom to three, my partner and I find that one of the biggest struggles we have faced in our relationship is navigating sharing responsibilities and the mental load. And I know that we're not alone because this shows up with all of my clients and in every podcast episode, the mental load of parenting shows up in some way or another. Enter the scene, coexist. Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top for my amazing community. Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DrCassidy15. So what are you waiting for? Really, take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com. The load in our home has been feeling a little bit lighter since downloading Coexist, and yours can feel lighter too when you download the Coexist app at getcoexist.com. Since becoming a parent and as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mindful of the supplements and products that I use, and that's why I love Peary. These are natural food supplements that I trust completely. Let's talk a bit about collagen. So collagen is so important for our bodies, but our natural production of it slows as we get older. So I've learned and quality supplements support our muscle, bone, and joint health. Recently, I've been taking Puri's CP1 Pure Collagen Peptides. It was number one out of 28 collagens tested by the Organic Consumers Association and Clean Label Project. There are enough hard decisions that we make every day as parents, and this makes Puri an easy choice. See and feel the difference with Puri. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puri is offering my listeners an amazing deal, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy, and use my promo code Dr. Cassidy. So go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash Dr. Cassidy. Don't miss out. Use promo code Dr. Cassidy at puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy. But we've been talking a lot lot now about the parents struggling, and I'm really curious, before we jump into some more anxiety kind of driven strategies, Michelle, what about having a kiddo who hates the car? Because that is such a huge trigger for our family, for us, for me. And when I shared on Instagram that we were having this conversation, so many responded saying that what they really struggled with was how much their baby or their toddler or their kid hates driving. And so I'd love to hear if you have any tips for supporting the little members of our family who seem to hate being in the car and in the car seat. So two, two things come to mind. And one is, you know, what the the most common reason babies or children dislike their car seat is because they're not fitting properly in it. Mm -hmm. So going back to this point of 
you know, controlling the controllable and, and what are the scenarios that we can absolutely say, okay, I've ticked all these boxes. I know, you know, we kind of go down the list of we've, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. The first thing I want on that list is, do we have the car seat? Are we using it properly? Mm. Because, and, and it's, you know, when we are in that state of pure panic going down the highway and our kids are, you know, even as they get older, they're, they're screaming and we're trying to concentrate. We know we're driving this machine and there's a lot going on. Sometimes our egos, I think, can come into play too. And it's like, they're fine. I know it's right. They're just, they're, they hate the car seat. They might, they, they're made, there are certainly children and babies that legit hate the car seat. However, let's rule out that we, you know, we, we, as the user could be making any mistakes because a lot of times parents don't even know that car seats adjust, that you have to move things as your child gets older back to our point of like, how would you know these things if no one taught you? So many, many, many times we have babies that are really upset in their car seats and we make some adjustments to their fit and they're like totally different children in the car. So you know, I know there are listeners that are like, I know my kid hates the car seat and I know everything is right. Just do me a favor and and let's just go double check just to appease me. Let's just go back and look one more time that we can make sure everything is installed properly. The recline is good. Because imagine if you're wearing a bra, right? And the straps were wrong. Like at a certain point, you're going to be getting pretty irritated yourself. Like it's going to be bothersome. Yeah. So I got mad at my bra earlier today. I was like, this thing's driving me crazy. <laughs> it's itching me. It feels funny. Like it, it was making me irritable. Truly that happened yeah. earlier today. Yeah. So hence why, you know, sports bras are just the way of life most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Every day when you wear a real bra, right? <laughs> I mean that, I want people to address that aspect and just not forget like sometimes the easiest fix like is right in front of like kind of right in front of your face yeah the other thing I'll say and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too with with our little itty bitty ones this doesn't necessarily apply but in that toddler stage it can be really difficult sometimes to get our children even to get in the car seat I am a big believer in positive association and how we talk about the car seat, how we talk about riding in the car, how we set expectations, how we prep our children. I know from lots of personal experience that car seats are heavy and they're a pain and they're hard to install and they're annoying and they take up a lot of room and they get dirty and all that. I know. However, my kid, I don't say that in front of my children. Because I want them to understand this is a life-saving device. Look at this incredible piece of equipment that protects my baby, my most precious part of my heart in this car so we can ride and go places that we love to go together. I want that. How much of that is going to impact whether a child hates the car or not? You can probably share more about that than I can. But I tend to see that when that our kids reflect how we feel about it. Again, this isn't going to apply to a seven or eight month old or, you know, a younger child. I don't know but, though. I think the kids pick up on, yeah. on our energy, the right? Vibes. Like yeah. uh, the vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like there's definitely a correlation that, that 
is there. I literally tell parents from the time they have that one day old baby to just talk positively mm-hmm. about the car seat, because if nothing else, it helps you speak positively about it too. Cause it's, you're going to be using it. You're going to be using it for a really long time. But wow. I mean, I feel that I know what that feels like to have my first, my, my first Jake, we went on a road trip once and I did all the things. I am telling you, we of course got stuck in traffic. We of course got hit a construction zone. I, I've never heard a child scream. I didn't think it was possible yeah. to be that vocal for that amount of time. And to not, we kept saying, he's going to fall asleep. He's going to fall asleep. He's going to fall. He has to fall asleep. I'm exhausted from listening to this. So I feel that I know how hard that is when, when you do have a child losing their, you know what? And you can't, you can't fix it. So I just want you to control what you, what you can fix, be, you know, as much positive association as you can. And then we know when we get to the toddler stage, there are things we can do kind of to help developmentally with like getting in and out of the car seat. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, I feel like this is a super important thing to name because these are things that I've learned from you. Um, when it comes to the, you know, your your baby is crying in the back and, oh, you just want to make it stop. Um, help us, t- make, let, let our listeners know, um, are the following things safe? <laughs> <laughs> Can I take my baby out of the car while it's driving? Can I lean no, over my baby no. and give my baby the my boob? Can I... Um, is it, can I pass something that I have up in my front seat in the glove compartment, like the keys to my baby, because I just want to give them something to distract them. Can I do these things, Michelle? You cannot do those things. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Here's what I want everybody to remember. Like you are, you're driving and your baby is breathing. They are alive. They are well. And so sometimes just reframing in our brains that a crying baby is one that's alive and well, Mm. I realize it's still very triggering, but it's, you know, we know that they are okay and we're working to get them safely from point A to point B. So never, ever, ever unbuckle a child (sighs) in the car. I, again, I'm not going to say that I, I think I did do it once with Jake when he was really young. Oh, um, I've done it. I've done it. Like yeah. I just want I just want to like make sure the listener knows like okay, we're we're naming how important it is to not do those things and like if you're listening you're like, "Oh my gosh, I do that all the time." Like please do not spiral into the puddle of mom guilt and shame right now. Like I I've done it. I've even after knowing that I wasn't I shouldn't. I've done it. Like I've done those things before and it's just it's like that part of me that part of me that is that really struggles to hear that cry and how triggering that is just jumps in the driver's seat right yeah. and so and what, I think part of it is like knowing that it could happen and how will I respond to it right what are the things that I can do in that moment because I'm going to be tempted to take them out of the seat and I know that I that I shouldn't and you know I tend to think about things I mean I I'm probably a worst case scenario type of girl in a, in a lot of ways. And I really care so much that I never want somebody to say what if, or if only I could have known, or, Mm. you know, I just, I don't want anybody to be on the other side. We can't predict when a car crash is going to happen. You don't get to decide. You don't get to anticipate it. You don't wake up that day and say, today's the day I'm going to get in a car crash. So in that same way, we can't say this is the ride where it's okay to take them out of the car seat. 
Yeah. We don't know when any of it will happen. I hope it never happens, but statistically we know, we know it will. So no, do not remove your child from their car seat. Never, ever loosen their harness straps, Mm. both from a breathing perspective and from a, that's how they stay secure and their body stays in place in a crash. Do not give them your boob in a car seat. It's not a safe position for them from a drinking perspective and you're unbuckled then too. It's not safe. You're a major threat to them if you were in a crash to suffocate them. Um, You know, you don't want to have a passenger sitting next to your kid trying to give them a pacifier or feed them a bottle or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You really just want to, it's a, you kind of want to keep it as like neutral environment as you possibly can. In terms of car seat safe toys, there are a ton of them. So you can absolutely have toys in your car. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we could survive where like, let's not get crazy. We need to have a couple. You know, <laughs> yeah. I would be saying it next level. But again, we want to choose things that are less likely to be harmful in the event of a crash, mm. less likely to fly around and hurt anybody. So have some of those ready to pass back to your, yeah. to your kid. Keys, I would not suggest. Yeah. Um, what about cell phones? What about cell phones? I, I mean, the real, I mean, I'm a, I'm a real life mom. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's what I love about you. <laughs> Nearly have passed my cell phone back to my child. <laughs> yeah. But I do so knowing the risk. And mm. that's where, you know, and I, I mean, would I forgive myself if something happened and that cell phone slammed into one of my kids' faces or into myself? I, maybe because maybe I was able to drive without being completely distracted. I think part yeah. of this is balancing, like, Taking your kid out of the car seat, never safe, never an option. Yeah. Deciding to pass back your cell phone because your toddler is absolutely losing their minds and you're driving 75 miles an hour on a freeway and you're a long ways away and you can't concentrate anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to judge you for that because I I really need you to be a focused driver. Yes. My kids ride with their iPads when we drive more than two hours. Yeah. Are, should they? No, they should not. Mm-hmm. Is it safe? No, it is not. Mm-hmm. But I know for me and my anxiety mm-hmm. and my children that I am a far better driver mm-hmm. when they are able to control their own iPads. That is a, that's a risk that I, but I know it and I take totally. it on. Totally. I so appreciate you being a, a real mom here, Michelle, and like naming that, right? Like, it, yes, it is a risk. Like, and what I think, what I think is really, what I want to share with the listener, like I, the other day, my we we took a long drive and our youngest was losing it, and there was the part of me, my anxiety, high anxiety, my old friend. You oftentimes show up whenever I get into a car. This is I'm hosting this conversation because this is something I can relate to, like putting that out there. High anxiety, okay. Baby is crying. Baby is crying. Take a breath. Take a breath. So I'm regulating myself there. Um, Personally, um, on the exhale, making that shushing sound, it has the benefit of being like a white noise. Doesn't necessarily (laughs) do anything for my child in that moment, to be honest. But like um, that shushing sound on the exhale does actually have science behind it of supporting me in regulating. And then I name it. Okay. Okay, so my anxiety, if it jumped in the driver's seat, it might lead me to 
scream <laughs> because that fight mode would would come up and that doesn't really align with how I want to show up in that moment. It might lead me to want to pass something back to the baby that might not be safe. It might lead me, if anxiety jumps in the driver's seat, might lead me to pull over and get back there, um, have my partner drive and pull my child out of the seat and just hold her in my lap. And as you just named, that's not safe. Okay. So if I take a moment to pause, right, and it's so hard to do while your child's screaming, I know, but like take a breath, create some space between that trigger and like the automatic reaction that anxiety wants to jump to. I value safety. That's why like that's why anxiety is worried, right, about my child being okay, about the drive, like about being safe in this car. And this, if, if that is the thing that I value here, rather than anxiety dictating what I'm going to do next, if I can turn to my values as the GPS, we're really going to go here full force with this car metaphor. If I turn to my values as my GPS and if I value safety and security, the safest, most secure place for my child right now is in the seat and is without this thing in their hand potentially. And it is also um, ideally me screaming is probably going to escalate the situation um, when that's also not in alignment with my values. And so, okay, I'm going to breathe. I'm naming it. I'm relating to my anxiety now in this new way where I'm in the driver's seat and I acknowledge that it's just this part of me offering me data, saying things are bad, things are bad. Your baby's crying in this way, like, you know, trigger, 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 like react, threat, threat, threat. And I can just say, hold on, anxiety. I get it. Like you are you're, – you're a common occurrence in these sort of situations. Um, I know you're along for the ride. But the safest thing for us to do is to actually not do – X, Y, or Z that you might <laughs> pull me towards. Um, and I, my baby, my baby is alive. My baby is well. Um, my baby's upset, but me escalating isn't going to support the situation. Um, another, another thing that oftentimes I find helpful is singing <laughs> and music. Um, super helpful in those situations. Um, I find. So there are certain songs that I know if I play it, um, that my child, my baby really enjoys it. Um, sometimes it's just the distraction enough that she needs. Um, but even if it doesn't help my baby stop crying, singing actually has a regulating effect for ourselves too. And I think that's really important because if I'm more regulated, I'm going to be more focused. I can make better decisions in that moment. And so singing a song myself or putting on the, a song that I really love and just like belting it out, that can be really, really supportive um, in these moments. Um, there's actually a song called, I think, The Happy Song by like Imogen or Imogene. There's, there's a song that people actually swear by that like when they play it, their baby stops crying. I don't know. I don't think I've tried it, but like <laughs> search, search up The Happy Song <laughs> by Imogen, I think, or Imogene. Um, so another thing that I thought was really kind of cute but made a lot of sense when I was kind of just doing some research and preparing for our conversation was one article said, plan around gas. And I was like, 
Okay. Like, so first, yeah, like I, you know, <laughs> make sure you have, you plan around gas in your car, like gas tank, like make sure it's full so you can just like get directly where you need to go um, in terms of the situation of your child hating being in the car. But the other thing was planning around your ba- your baby's gas. Like being in a car seat is a really hard position for a child to pass gas. And so, you know, we can't always plan around these things. But in terms of last the last time your child was fed, when was your child burped, all of these things kind of taking into consideration um, before you got before you all get in the car. Um, so this plan around gas does that does that resonate with you? <laughs> My son, um, he struggled with reflux as a baby and just changing how close I fed him to when we were going to get in the car. It's not always possible. Like nothing is ideal, but if I was able to choose between running an errand or getting out of the house at, you know, a certain time other or another one, I would try to really think about when I fed him. So, you know, I think some of those little, those, those little tips can help and I'm curious from your perspective, one of the ways that I try to deal with anxiety, and um, so you can you can coach me here and tell me if you think this is a good idea, but I tell people often that, you know, you've been here and done this before and, and like survived it, like you know how to get through this. And while, to, you know, when you're engaging those like breathing or whatever the techniques that I'm sure you'll talk to us more about, like what to do in the moment, I literally like kind of repeat that mantra to myself over and over again of I've been here, I've done this, I've gotten through it. And I am very type A. So for me, sometimes even saying, Michelle, it is five minutes. You can make it through five minutes. Like sometimes I think I hear so many people, we have a lot of road trip anxiety that people have. And I definitely can fall in that category. Um, but I try to, like, if we look at our lifetime, for example, and it's like, you're going to be on the road for one day or for three hours. And while I know that could really feel like three years, but if we kind of put it in perspective and mentally plan for that, like, I know this could be a really tough car ride, or my baby hates the car ride, or my baby hates, to your point, every time we stop at a stop sign, okay? I know I have three stop signs. I can make it through three stop signs. So I, at least for me, and I share that with people sometimes, is that like a thing? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think what you're really kind of naming here is in the moment, um, what you're actually doing, I don't even know if you realize you're doing this, but you are acknowledging that this anxiety is a part of you. And if it's a part of you, then there's also the part of you that can take a step back and look at the situation more broadly. Because what happens with anxiety is we tend to get this like tunnel vision, right? Where, And tunnel vision is not always a helpful thing when it comes to driving. I mean, tunnels by, in and of themselves can be triggering for people, right? Driving through tunnels. But anxiety does bring this kind of tunnel vision. And the reason that it does is because anxiety is triggering that, that response, that fear often that fear also triggers that fight or flight response. There's some sort of threat with anxiety. It might not be necessarily something that's right behind you, right? Fear would be like, there's something actually there, um, tangible. That's a threat coming after you, but it, it brings our attention very focused so that we can hopefully not be distracted by other things and get out of this threatening situation. But 
what you are describing here is your ability to acknowledge, okay, there's this part of me that is just really focused on all the way in which things can go bad or these these images that I have or the the fear of that upcoming red light or the crying. Okay. Now, if I also acknowledge that there's a part of me that can say, oh, that's anxiety. The other part of you is able to expand your awareness, right? Expand that kind of tunnel vision to look at the big picture of really when I've, ha- I've had this feeling before of anxiety. It's not something brand new to me, but it's also something that has, that has also shifted. N- none of us have ever felt one emotion for our whole lifetime, right? Um, anxiety comes and then anxiety can go like a wave. Same thing with joy, you know? Um, And so in that moment, you're able to acknowledge this is not going to be a feeling I have forever. Um, I'm not going to be in this moment forever. And I can survive. I, I do believe that this is not a life or death situation. I can survive these next few minutes or this next, these next few red lights or this, um, this road trip, right? Um, or my child crying right now. It's not ideal. And this is not fun. This sucks. But there's the part of you that has anxiety that le- that wants to lead to all these, you know, quick reactions and that tunnel vision. And there's a part of you that can acknowledge that that anxiety is there coming along for the ride. It's really about finding a way to relate to that part of you in a new way. I almost, I I like to make this sort of connection of we can relate to our anxiety almost like we would relate to a child, right? There needs to be some level of acknowledgement of the feeling. um, And there also needs to be some boundaries, you know? Um, So it's comfort and empathy for like, oh yeah, hey, anxiety, I knew you'd show up here. You oftentimes do. And you know what? It's there's, it's, it's understandable that this part of me would show up here. And there's got to be boundaries, right? Like, and anxiety, I'm not going to let you jump in the driver's seat and lead to act, and lead me to do X, Y, or Z because it actually isn't in alignment with my values and how I want to show up here um, in this situation. These are my values, and that's how I'm going to respond. So, yeah, I think in the moment, being able to take a breath, I know it sounds so simple, but truly, in the moment, strategies are simple, and they work. Like, taking a deep breath, a breath that you are able to actually expand into your diaphragm, into your belly, and making maybe that shushing sound on the exhale, actually helps regulate your nervous system. And it helps create a pause between the trigger and your reactivity. And in that space, right, that you're now creating with that breath, you can now relate to your anxiety in a different way, just like you may would you maybe would with someone that you love or a child. Acknowledgement, right? Understanding, um, acceptance that it's coming along for the drive. We don't need to fight that part of us, right? But we're going to set boundaries, um, and we're going to stay in the driver's seat, right? In acknowledgement that this part of me is here, but there's also this part of me that can acknowledge that anxiety is there. And with that, I can expand my awareness to decide how I want to respond here, knowing that this feeling won't last forever. And I am hopefully in this situation, not in a life or death situation, even though anxiety might be indicating that with some of the scary intrusive thoughts and images. And I can survive this. Um, And I think outside of the moment, you know, therapy can be really supportive. 
um, as well as, you know, talking to people about this. Um, anxiety can fester in isolation. So if we are able to name this part of us and name this as a struggle with people who have earned the right to, you know, be in that vulnerable space with us, that can be a really supportive step. And sometimes that step is what comes before reaching out to get professional support because we just kind of practice what it is to take these parts of us that kind of live in the shadows of our hearts and bring it out into the light, you know, with people who've earned that right. And that can be a beautiful way to kind of bridge getting the support. Because for the listener, I just, I really don't want you to keep suffering and white knuckling through this experience. And every situation is nuanced, as we kind of mentioned. Maybe there's history there. Um, Maybe there's experiences or unique situations that really you really deserve to have supported and addressed and um, to experience healing around it so that you can have a new relationship with anxiety and with driving. Oh, Michelle, okay. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you so they can continue to connect with you and learn from you? Yes, absolutely. My biggest presence right now is on Instagram at Safe in the Seat. Obviously, we have a website as well, safeintheseat.com. And um, yeah, we're just trying to connect every day with people about how can we check <laughs> to your point, like there is anxiety that we can name that says, I don't know what I'm doing with a car seat. I don't know how to do this. If that's where anxiety is stemming from, like, let's go ahead and knock that off the list. We can make sure you know what you're doing, how to do it. When we kind of level up anxiety around those other feelings that we're talking about, that's when, that's when you come into play, right? That's when it goes beyond safe in the seat page and, and goes into um, getting some, some other help, which I'm a huge, I personally um, go to therapy, as you know, I am so thankful for um, professionals like you. So yeah, check us out. I mean, say on Instagram, we have a lot of resources for people to learn how to use their car seats, um, to choose. I find the, the one of the most overwhelming things, even for me in the industry, is just the volume of choices. So we've got buying kits that we created based on feedback, based on our community's feedback. Like, please help me you know, speaking of anxiety, like when I go into the store and I see 400 choices or I go online, how can I narrow this down? Um, and then consults like you did, like you mentioned, um, where we have other people on the safe in the seat team, including myself that are nationally certified in all this crazy child passenger safety stuff. So yeah, I mean, like you, I really try to create a space for people where they feel good and feel safe and, um, that's what I'm trying to do in the car seat safety space. I think for so long it has been so technically driven. And while that's critically important, I am trying to lead with connection before correction. So I mm. really want to connect with people yeah. and make people know that there is no judgment here. There is no shame here. I personally did so very many things wrong with my <laughs> first and I share that all the time because, you know, it's how we, we learn and grow. And to your point, if anyone is listening and is like freaking out, you know, is like, oh my, I have been doing X, Y, Z, or I shouldn't have been doing like literally again, use your breath, 
to separate, just to create. Yes, use the strategies. Use the strategies, create some space. And remember that today in this moment, your child is safe. And now Mm. everything you get to do moving forward, you you know better, you do better. And Mm. we're going to just bless and release what has happened previously. And that is a gift to learn how to do that as well. I've had to learn to do that too. It's just teaching child passenger safety and knowing that I myself did so many things you know, that could have been done differently, but I let that go. My children are safe. How can we move, move forward from here? Mm. Michelle, thank you so much. We, (laughs) I'm hoping that by the time you, the listener are tuning in, this is a polished episode, but I'm, (laughs) I'm so grateful to you, Michelle, for (laughs) navigating this with me because for those of you listening behind the scenes, you can probably hear my puppy right now. We've gone from the puppy being inside and literally chewing my hand. I'm like yes. actually bleeding because I was like just letting him chew on me so that um, so that he wouldn't bark and like make sounds for all, all for the podcast, you know, the all for the podcast. But now the puppy's outside because at some point the puppy actually pulled a cord out and we lost connection. And now the puppy's outside crying so that I can, I got to go let him back in. But we, we got through it, Michelle, and I'm so grateful to you for taking the time and having this conversation and for you, the listener, for tuning in. To learn more about Michelle and to connect with her and to gain access to all the resources that she mentioned, you can click the link in the show notes. My friend, we did it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for bringing light to this subject. I think it's just so important that we we talk about it and normalize it and continue to work through it together. Thank you, Michelle. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.